Yeah, it's me. <laughs> Caleb? Maybe you should start. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm really uh, emotionally unhinged right now. I've been off my meds for like almost a week, just incidentally. Oh, jeez. So the, I, I'm not I'm just prefacing that to say like, if I'm like teary and stuff like that, like that's just all, that's all that it is, you know. But uh, yeah, what I really like what you said. Just starting out. I know this was the focus of your talk. We like talking about uh, the whole "I can't quit Jesus" thing. You know, um, I feel that way too. And I've said this, I say this all the time, and I, I think everyone here has probably heard me say this before. But like, I've got plenty of reasons to not be at all involved, or to even be to even resent church and Christianity. And and I wouldn't, you know, feel bad about that. Like I, I could easily make a case for that. And it's it's not like I don't feel. I don't feel like I owe the church anything. Or like, like I'm not like scared of some, you know, retribution for for not being a part of the church. But I feel like it's kind of in my in my blood. And like you're saying, you have friends who make a case for like, oh, Jesus was just a good teacher, this and that. Like, yeah, you can make that case, and like you can historically talk about like this this theoretical historical figure, or you know, even if it was a factual historical figure. Just to me, like, it's just the 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 quote-unquote character, like the idea, the archetype of Christ, I can't get away from. It's just ingrained in me. If I found out, and I think, didn't Paul say, like, if I found out that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then my faith is in vain or something? Yes. I, I say, fuck, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't care. I don't care if Jesus rose again. I don't care if you ever lived in the first place. Like, the idea of this thing, it's not like some economy of, like, because this guy died, now I'm saying, now I'm going to be happy forever and ever. If that's not what it is to me, and if it is to you, great. Like, yeah. I that's great. To me, I've I've been through enough being raised so hardcore conservative, and then pushing against that, and then coming to this place where it's like, well, I, I still like the idea of church itself. And, and people say, and I've I've heard interviews. I think we talked before about that interview that you had on that radio station. Where they're like, well, why don't you just be a humanist then? Yeah. You know, if you're agnostic, you know, and and you don't think that there's like this. I guess how we would say, you know, like, uh, like you know, uh, like salvation you have to earn, or like, or uh, like a penance that's been paid for you. If you don't believe in all like the mythology here, why don't you just be a humanist? Well, like, it's kind of culturally in my blood, and like it's my terminology, it's my vocabulary. You know, I, I'm, I'm not worried too much about you know the the consequences or whatever of you know being a heretic, like. Blasphemy, all, all these church words, which nobody else would even know what those words mean. You know, like it's just—it's part of how we communicate and stuff. And like, I just feel like I, I love the idea of Christ. I love Christ, and that's why I'm here all the time. But like, I honestly just—I don't care about the, like I said, like the economy, like the, uh, you know, did you? Okay, one sinner's prayer equals eternal salvation. Got it. You know, check. Like you, you, you bought it. It's bought and paid for. There you go. You know, like the blood of Christ has covered you and you're saved. Like that's just that's just silly. It's a great metaphor, I guess. Yeah. Of grace, like you're saying, grace and stuff. But I know it's just one tiny little point that you made that really stuck with me. Hey. 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 I did. Hey. It's if we can be keep can be saved by keeping the law. Right. Okay. The uh, I I just saw. A horrible but fun thing on the Facebook 
It's on Facebook. The reality is that for those people that keep the law, it's going to just get worse and worse and worse. And uh, what was crazy? There is a very notorious poacher, and it ended up he was killed by an elephant and then eaten by a lion. Yeah. To yeah. the bottom, to the bottom line, the only thing they found was his skull. Oh, jeez. So, you know, the 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 legalism people will die by their legalism. And um, like we talked beforehand, Christianity is about action, believing. Christianity is not about rules. People don't understand that. Following Christ means, for me, making some decisions. You know, this is what Christ would have me do. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. <coughs> I heard, uh, I did talk about this too. I heard, um, David Hogg, the Parkland survivor, speak. And he was magnificent. And he was just saying very rational things about what's going on in the United States that I don't hear very many people talking about. Yeah. Well, one of his tweets, he said, I can't believe that we now see genocide as, some people see genocide as an okay thing. Yeah. And he says, uh, <coughs> universal background checks um, test out higher scores than puppies. And yet, where we've got all these guys in the legislature who brings the universal background check law to our legislature. No. What in the hell is going on here? So we need to be speaking the truth in love. And uh, the truth in love is we've got a lot of things that need a lot of correction. Um, we are all humans. Uh, it seems that the current administration doesn't like people that aren't white. Yeah. The interesting thing is, I forget what date they say we will, the white folks in the U.S. will be the minority. And I think these people are definitely afraid of that. So, of course, the, the president doesn't want brown people coming up from South America. Um, we can't have that. They're just going to, they, they will become the majority. Um, so I see this progression of the legalists getting more and more entangled and insane. Well, it might go over. Um, and the number of Republicans have said, you know, if Trump is elected, and you know, he's one of the crazy things your papa said, if Trump is elected, we will have civil war. Really? Yeah. So you gotta do what you gotta do, and it's behavioral. It's not following the rules. For heaven's sakes, if following the rules would make me Christian, I would not be allowed. <laughs> I've broken a lot of the rules. Yeah. Well, I thought that was a really meaningful talk, and. I believe that the conversations that we need to have with people who think differently from us, those conversations, like your, in your, your relationship with your father, they're not going to start with doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to start with us 
being weak and needy human beings who have that in common. And um, the other thing I wanted to comment on was um, when you talked about your role that you see of yourself as being a peacemaker. Um, I just wanted to quickly read a couple of sentences about John Smith, who was the founder of the God Squad Motorcycle Club in Australia. Um, he was known throughout the world. He took stands throughout Australia on behalf of the needy and the marginalized and the poor. And um, he was also brilliant. He went to seminary and became, a, um, anthropolog became an anthropologist. But um, this is just talking briefly about his funeral, reading it from a newspaper. And I think that 1% bikers are bikers who have murdered someone. So hundreds of 1% bikers from outlaw motorcycle clubs across Australia heard the gospel preached loud but lovingly last weekend. They had gathered together peacefully for the first time ever in a church to pay their respects to, they called him Smithy. The gathering, the church was full to flowing with more than a thousand people from all walks of life. Um, the gathering included patched members of rival outlaw clubs, including the Hells Angels, the Banditos, the Gypsy Jokers, the Coffin Cheaters, the Rebels, and the Immortals. Even though many may never have darkened the door of a church or dreamt of being in the same room as their rivals, there was a deep sense of calm and peaceful unity in the air. Um, it was clearly a once-in-a-lifetime gathering. And one of the people who spoke, um, there was a film made about John Smith called Smithy, and U2 was very... Um, was involved in the making of that yeah. film. They knew him personally. And um, so they read a, a tribute from, from Bono. And he described him as an academic, a pastor, a preacher, a prophetic voice, an irritant to a comfortable church, an advocate for justice, the poor, the marginalized, and the arts. And um, he just talked about how, and this is something else that I thought was, that reminds me of you, Jay, he talked about how Smith viewed the Bible as an incendiary tract, not some handbook on religion or a sop for mankind's fear of death, but an epic poem about life which spoke about culture, politics, and justice. But I, I think that he is a great loss to the world, but I believe that your message is right in tune with his. And... Um, the challenge, I think, is to figure out in what kind of venue conversations can take place. Thanks. It's funny how, I, I think we probably talked about this before too, but I think being progressive versus being liberal, there's kind of different, like when you're, by my definition anyway, in my head, when you're more progressive, it's like, you're not just set in this code, necessarily, that's like, that can easily devolve into like an us versus them sort of thing, but it's more like, you know, how do we keep looking forward, like, what's the next step, like when, like Robert, when I, when I talked to, to you and your husband, you know, at my house, and we did that interview for my other podcast, where I brought up, asked you guys, like, 
So you you went through a lot of shit, like growing up in the church, being out, and things like that. And it's like, but then at the same time, what's this new generation have to teach the people who've been you know hurt hurt by uh, the other side or by by I don't know the, the norm I get or, you know I don't want to say conservatives because I don't, I don't want to legalism by legalism thank you yeah like so so then what's the, what's the new lesson for the people who have been hurt by legalism? In the past, what's the new lesson for people who are currently being hurt by legalism in another way? Like it's just, it's a progression. It's this constant, I think, state of learning and evolution. And I think Jay, that's what you're expressing. Like maybe there was a time when it was appropriate to be angry at evangelicals and things like that. And like now, okay, what's the next step? Now do we build? Now maybe we can build bridges again. And you know, it's you don't just get stagnant or else you you know you die. It's, you fall into the an ironic like mirror of the thing that you hated. Yeah. You know? I don't want to become what I hate. Yeah, exactly. One of the things you touched on um, early on in your talk was um, how sometimes you see yourself uh, comparatively to other people and how that's, you know, tough sometimes. And I've and I felt that way a lot. Um, also I think people could resonate that with, you know, whether they you know, run a church or run a blog or a podcast, whatever, like it's when we compare ourselves to similar people that do the same thing as ourselves, um, we probably ask ourselves, you know, why am I not, you know, quite where they are or why am I not feeling validated or seen or whatnot? Um, And then, you know, I just had this realization that it's, that's my ego speaking. And what they're doing is the Lord's work, pretty much. And I shouldn't feel, even though sometimes I still do, you know, it's my ego, I shouldn't feel jealous towards them. Um, and, and instead, I came to the realization that I should be looking at these, this jewel that I have in front of me, that I'm, I've been so busy looking to my left to my right instead of what I have, what God gave me in front of me. And um, ultimately, it's between me and God, and I should value that. And um, because if God believes in me and what I'm doing, then I shouldn't have to, you know, feel you know a certain way. You know, the the card that we pass that we um, we carve out for each other is is unique to us. And so to compare ourselves to somebody else is kind of doing our path of the service. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my personal journey mentally and spiritually with that. So I've had an opportunity recently to try to put some of this stuff into a bit of practice by, uh, I, I do a lot of activism against the drug war, trying to bring, I guess, drug peace, or I don't know yeah. what call it. But, uh, <laughs> but that involves talking to the decision makers themselves. So I've, I've been uh, dressing up in a suit and tie and talking with Republicans fairly consistently over the last three or four weeks. And uh, 
it's been a real eye-opener because I, I might get some initial hostility on topics that I talk about, but I, I really try to be a human and, and tell them, like, what, you, like, you guys have the power to fix things that are destroying and harming the lives of myself and my friends and my family, and uh, it's sometimes kind of shocking when people that I talk to that I had no hope that they would listen or care, that they they come around and they they see that I'm a real person and that these words on paper that they churn out actually result in um, some pretty heavy consequences on people that, sh- I, that I don't think should have these consequences upon them. And obviously, it's a complex issue and it requires myself kind of humbling myself to teach people my perspective and I am sensing an interest in actually getting educated. So, but it really would have not happened had I not done the initial reach out because they're not coming to try to find the marginalized people that are affected by the laws they're writing. Uh, Sometimes you have to be the one to step up and approach them and uh, I mean, you're helping change laws on cannabis, just to clarify that, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, I just am, I'm against the drug war in general. I think yeah. it's a public health issue. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to uh, start with cannabis specifically, and it, it seems to be the the drug that has the most arrests uh, in the state. But yeah, I uh, I'm trying to put some of the, I guess these teachings I've heard from EJ into practice, and I'm, I'm finding that uh, it, it can bear fruit, I guess. Well, that's cool here. we got to get you up here, buddy, to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about cannabis and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Any burning desires? I have one more thing to say. Okay. Um, I've been listening to... Hannah Arndt and information about Hannah Arndt and she had written a book um, about totalitarianism and she was a German Jew during the Holocaust and she ended up coming to the U.S. But one of the things she says is that, you know, what is the characteristic that allows a society to become totalitarian? And it's loneliness. It's this just deep, and not just you know, I feel lonely. It's just this deep disconnection that people experience from other people and this total lack of conversation. And I just think, you know, the common denominator in everything that's been said today is conversation, conversation. People people are hungry for that kind of interaction. That's all. Hopefully we can somehow start to... I think that happens with you guys. I think it happens here. Yeah, week. but I'm saying I think it starts to happen with yeah. some of you guys having some ideas of what we need to do next. Because I gotta get through this divorce. So I love you guys. Talk to each other before you leave. And uh, I'm gonna run the boys restaurant. I've got 18 diet cokes. <laughs> A post-Christian production.